welcome to the West Cheltenham podcast. We want to see communities and places buzzing with the extraordinary presence of Jesus. Join us live on YouTube every Sunday at 10.30am. We really hope you enjoy this message. Thank you, John. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning. It's lovely to be with you again at St. Mark's. You may have noticed our gospel reading beginning in the middle of a story. It's not generally good practice, is it? But it's a story that Jesus told about a boy squandered his fortune his inheritance from his father, and then rather sheepishly returns a few years later when he spent it all, expecting to be treated like a servant and just glad to have some food in his belly. But instead, he finds this welcome. He's welcomed with open arms and treated to a massive party. But I deliberately chose to start in the middle of the story because that, that ending that we heard today, I often think gets lost which is quite ironic in the story about the lost son. We get caught up in that heartwarming imagery of the father welcoming his repentant child back into the home, and he, and he wraps his loving arms around him. And we forget to think about what comes next. And for years, when I did read this story, um, I'd sort of ignore that ending because I couldn't really identify with this older son. And I'd think, why is he so miserable? Why is he so mean? Um, why would anyone, when you apply this parable to real life, why would anyone think like that, that when somebody comes to, to the Father God, you would be miserable about it? Isn't it a cause to celebrate? Notice how judgmental I sound at that. And it's okay, I have repented and I have been forgiven because God is a loving father and welcomes us back with his loving arms. And I don't know about you, but sometimes God hits me between the eyes with some verses of scripture to challenge my thinking. And that's what happened in this story for me a few years back. I was suddenly confronted with the older son's reaction and how... I can also think like that. I completely got it. But what's more important is that I completely got the Father's response. You are always with me and everything I have is yours. It's as if the words stood out on the page for me and they like echoed in my head. You are always with me and everything I have is yours. Note it's not I'm always with you. That's how we often, that's very familiar, isn't it? I'm always with you, I'll never leave you, I'll never abandon you. A subtly different emphasis, you are always with me. Sit with it for a while. You are always with me and everything I have is yours. Let me put this into some sort of context, this sort of discovery of mine. I'm not a feeling sort of person. I don't feel God. Those are refrains that I would use about myself for years. 
I would struggle when I heard other people's stories of their experiences of God, feeling his presence, waves of love, tingling sensations, electricity in the body, overwhelmed with joy, being slain in the spirit. And I'd ask, why not me? Why can't I feel God? What's wrong with me? Maybe I'm not even a Christian. We've been thinking about presence over these last few weeks as a parish. And maybe you can identify with that reaction. Maybe you don't know how it feels to experience God's presence. This is for you. Or maybe you've forgotten what it feels like because at the moment it feels like God has abandoned you, has withdrawn and you wonder where he is. This is for you. Or maybe there will yet come a time when you no longer feel God's presence and experience what St. John of the Cross called a dark night of the soul. You need to be prepared. This is for you. So I'll continue with my story. Back in the 1990s, Alpha arrived in our church. Uh, Alpha is an evangelistic course um, and it swept through the country and hundreds, if not thousands of people came to know Jesus through the the course Alpha. I led groups on a number of occasions over those years, but I admit I got to a point where I dreaded the Holy Spirit day because I'd hear all these people's testimonies of how they felt God and it would just make me feel more distant in comparison because I don't feel God. And I'd sit there having heard that prayer, come Holy Spirit, and I'd wait, and I'd look, and I'd feel like there was an invisible barrier around me where God's Spirit was flowing in the room and like it couldn't penetrate where I was sat. And I'd just sit there thinking, God's not filling me. I can't feel God. The sentiments of that older son, maybe. On one Holy Spirit day at a conference center in South Wales, in the coffee break, in the ladies, powdering my nose, I was in conversation with somebody uh, who also expressed those feelings of not feeling God and what's wrong with her. As, As I listened to her, I heard my own complaint. And indeed, I realized that by our very words, I can't feel God we were ensuring that we wouldn't feel God. I sense God saying something like, I am at work in you, but you keep denying me. I was aware that the very words, I'm not a feeling sort of person, I don't feel God, God's not at work in me, had power. They were essentially a curse, a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's what I declared, and so it was. How often does Jesus say, your faith has made you well? This was a case of your faith has made you ill. We know the power of words. Certainly when God speaks, God said, let there be light. There was light. And for us too, made in his image, our words have power. The spoken word is powerful. You may have experienced words spoken over you as a child or even as an adult. You're so whatever. 
or you'll never amount to anything. Or they may be things you've said of yourself, thoughts in your head, I can't do, it's just the way I am. Declarations such as these, or the thoughts in our heads about ourselves, create it to be so, and lead us to believe lies about ourselves which essentially become our truth and prevent us from living in the freedom that God offers. It's an old children's rhyme, isn't there? Sticks and stones may break my bones, words will never hurt me. It's a great sentiment, but sadly, actually, words do hurt. And recurring words can have a hold on us, bind us. We know that Jesus came to set us free, and the power of Jesus' name is mighty, and its declaration can break such a curse. If you're aware of words that have been spoken over you, or of words that you think about yourself, a pattern that you believe, which is not congruent with Scripture and what, the, what God tells us in His Word, maybe about God's love for you, or about you, what you can amount to, or His presence with you, then I invite you to confess that wrong belief. Renounce the lie. Confess and ask God to set you free in the power of the name of Jesus. And dare to believe God's truth. If it helps, you may find to ask, you could ask somebody to accompany you on that journey, on that prayer journey. That day, I was challenged to accept truth as it is in scripture, that God is at work in me, whether I feel it or not whether I sense it or not, and to refrain from that denial. So when we returned to the room, I confessed my lack of faith, I renounced the lies I I believed and reinforced in my thinking and in my words. Someone even addressed a spirit of doubt in me, and I chose to begin to trust God, that he was at work in me, whether I felt it or not. It was not a magic formula. I didn't then think, oh, whoa, suddenly a wave of love wasps over me. Wouldn't that have been great? That's not the end of the story. I have since had some amazing, deeply intense spiritual experiences which have become for me like red-letter days, moments that I hold on to and I treasure and I look back to as significant. They still feed me and they reassure me of truth. But they can be 10 years apart or more. In the second letter to Corinthians, you may know that Paul tells a story of a man who 14 years ago was caught up in the spirit. Commentators seem to agree that he was speaking about himself. That was a one-off, 14 years before, not an everyday experience. I suggest there is actually a danger in seeking after an experience of God for experience sake like an adrenaline junkie with an insatiable appetite. That's not why God sent his spirit to fulfill our selfish desires. Yes, he does want to assure us of his love and to comfort us and to satisfy us. But the gift of the spirit is so much more than that. God's spirit is to sanctify us, to purify us, to change us but also to empower us and to equip us to do his work. 
It's the outworking of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which is so much more important than any mystical experience in any moment. And if we become too reliant on seeking experience and our faith is dependent on what we feel, our faith will be weak and we will fail to mature, such that when the experience is withdrawn, which does happen, like that dark night of the soul, it can become hard to believe and faith will fade. When Thomas refused to believe that Jesus was risen, you may remember, Jesus appeared to him and said, put your fingers in my hand, put your hand in my side. And then he says, because you've seen, you believe. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Having consciously decided to trust that God was at work in me, whether I felt it or not, as I say, I didn't begin to experience great physical, tangible signs of God. But what was significant is that other people began to notice a difference in me. Just a few months later, um, Ewan and I used to help out with some cipher ventures, which are like summer youth camps. And we would go on leadership training weekends. And a couple of months later, we went on one of these weekends. Two or three people independently asked me what had happened to me. They said they'd noticed a difference. I was glowing or I was on fire or I don't know what the words they used were, but they'd noticed a difference, which in turn encouraged me to believe that God's spirit was at work in me. He was present to me whether or not I felt it. And what has developed over time is a deep knowing, deep in my soul. There's that uh, words in that letter that talk about the, a prayer, the Ephesians, that you may know how broad and high and long and deep is the love of God. It's about a knowing, not a feeling. I admit it's not unwavering. I still question. I still have moments of doubt. But this knowing is real and deep and sustaining. I think it's why I've taken to that song, Waymaker, which we're going to be singing later. There's a refrain in that, even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Those words have become my refrain. And what's more, because I now believe, I have begun to recognize little signs of God's presence, barely perceptible, Easily ignored, easily denied, but like that still, small voice that Elijah heard. Some translations even talk about the sound of sheer silence. Maybe fluttering eyelids, a change in my breathing, an expansiveness in my mind, recognizing and attributing those experiences to God in me and relishing it and feeding on it small though they may be. Whilst I maintain that we are not to seek after spiritual experiences for experience sake, I acknowledge and indeed endorse that it is important to seek to spend time in God's presence, as we've been hearing over these last weeks. I'm not a contemplative by nature, I'm more of an activist. But over the past few years, I have learned the value of contemplative practices as spiritual disciplines to help ensure my activism is securely rooted in Christ 
and that deep sense of knowing is maintained. So each day I endeavor to stop around midday for just 10 minutes to sit with God, not reflecting on what's happened, not thinking ahead to what's coming, but just to be in his presence. Rarely do I physically or tangibly experience his presence, but as I still my mind and wait, focusing on him, I choose to believe and trust that he is there with me. An analogy that I found really helpful that God revealed to me at one point, I'm gonna share with you. If you find it helpful, that's great. If not, ignore it. Um, It's a bit like daylight and vitamin D. Our bodies naturally produce vitamin D when our skin is exposed to sunlight. And not necessarily the shining sun, just daylight. So when I'm outside, vitamin D is being produced by the light on my skin. Can I feel this happening? No, I can't. But it doesn't mean I don't believe it. I know it's true, the scientists tell me so. Whether I feel it or not, Sometimes I do, because the sun can be nice and warm. But even if I don't, vitamin D is being produced in my body. And I know, therefore, it's good for me to spend time outside in the daylight. Each day, it keeps my bones, my teeth, my muscles healthy. And not enough vitamin D can lead to bone deformity and bone pain. I suggest that in the same way, spending time in God's presence, whether we feel it or not, is good for our spiritual health. It's as if we're producing spiritual vitamins. And I know that if I want to remain spiritually healthy and experience spiritual growth, I need to spend time in God's presence. And the quality of that time is not measured by how much I feel it, but by the difference it makes in my life. It's measured by a desire for holiness, by the sureness of my faith and the outworking of his spirit in my life. So I come back to that lost son and I'm speaking about the older brother, not the younger. And the father's response, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Whether we feel God or not, Let us hold on to that promise of the Father. Let that be our refrain. Let that be the truth that we declare so that it may go deep into our souls. And let's not look to comparisons with other people and other people's experiences. Let God deal with them. He knows what they need. But let each of us focus on our own relationship with God and trust and believe his presence with us for our own spiritual well-being. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. To hear more messages like this, make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, head to westchelt.org.uk or search Westchelt across social media. We love you. We can't wait to see you again.